I invite you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John chapter 18. Uh, This morning, we are looking at John chapter 18, starting in verse 15 and then reading all the way through verse 27. Uh, So give your attention to the reading of God's Word this morning for His glory and for our edification. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. And they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. The grass withers, the flower fades, but God's word endures forever. The denial of Peter is one of the few stories repeated in all four Gospels. Uh, With the differences in storytelling between the four Gospels, you would think that at least one of the Gospel writers, just one, might have decided to omit the shameful record, the shameful story of Peter's denial of Christ. I mean, after all, the public record of one of the most prominent disciples denying his master is hardly great recruitment material for the church. Uh, One of the questions I want to ask, or I suppose the one question I really want to ask this morning is this. What is happening in Peter's denial? Because it's not necessarily what we think. We often just think, well, it's cowardice. It's failure of nerve and will. And I'm sure we have all had that moment 
where we've been timid or fearful about identifying with Jesus and talking about our relationship with him. But I think something else might be transpiring here, uh, at least in the first denial, and it's something that we need to be aware of in our own lives. Uh, So Jesus has been arrested. He's being taken to the high priest, and in verse 15, we read that Simon Peter was following Jesus. Uh, That's what disciples are supposed to do, right? Disciples are people who follow Jesus. And uh, don't forget that Jesus had just rebuked Peter in the garden, and uh, Peter took that rebuke, and he is still following Jesus. And we also read about this other disciple. This other disciple is known to the high priest where Jesus is being taken. And so this other disciple is able to speak uh, to the servant girl, and he is able to get Peter into the courtyard of the high priest. Now, by the way, there's a lot of interesting debate about who is this unnamed disciple who gets Peter into the courtyard Uh, Because if it's the Apostle John, the son of Zebedee, how would a Galilean fisherman be known to the high priest of Israel? Uh, And there's some historical evidence. It's this other guy called John the Elder, and maybe he's the John who wrote the Gospel uh, of John. We don't know. It doesn't really matter. Here's what does matter. The servant girl's question and Peter's answer in verse 17. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Uh, And I think we have to go back to the upper room where Jesus first predicts Peter's denials to understand this at the end of chapter 13. After Jesus had told the disciples that he was going away, Uh, Peter said, where are you going? Jesus said, you can't follow me. Peter says, "Uh, Lord, why can I not follow you? I will lay down my life for you. And that's Peter's vision of himself. He is someone who is willing to die for the Lord. And not in the humble and humiliating way that Jesus will ultimately tell Peter he's going to die in John 21. You know that verse, you will be led where you don't want to go and stretch out your arms. Peter sees himself going out in a blaze of glory, which is maybe why he was so quick to pull out his sword in the garden, which we saw last week. So Peter imagines himself to be a hero. He's following Jesus Uh, He gets into the courtyard of the high priest. What is he going to do? Well, he is envisioning himself getting into the room where the action is. He pictures himself standing with Jesus in the high court before all those powerful and influential leaders and maybe standing between, you know, himself and Uh, standing between Jesus and the leaders and confessing his loyalty for Jesus. You see, what Peter really wants is not to confess Jesus. What Peter wants is to be confessed as the one who confesses Jesus. 
And as he's envisioning all of this, being in the room where the action is happening, here is this servant girl, and both of those words matter. A servant girl means that she is a social underling, and a servant girl means that in her culture she is considered insignificant, lacking the rights and privileges of her male counterparts. So understand that she is the very opposite of the powerful, important people that Peter envisions himself standing before. And she says, hey, aren't you one of his disciples? And Peter replies to her question, I am not. And if we are following John's portrayal of Peter, I really don't think that Peter at this point is cowering behind this, you know, servant girl. I think he basically just dismisses her and waves her off. You have to wonder if Peter even saw this as a denial, or did he just see it as a tactical move that will get him closer to the action where the important stuff is happening. Clearly, this is not the big moment of laying his life down for Jesus that Peter has been dreaming about. And that uh, dream, Peter had a dream of standing for Christ, and that dream actually kept Peter from being obedient in the moment. Uh, Here's another reason why Peter might not have seen himself as denying his Lord. Look at the question. The question is, are you not one of his disciples also? She doesn't ask, do you think Jesus is Lord? Son of man and son of God, co-equal with the Father? Not a big theological question. Uh, she just says, are, are, you, are you with the disciples? And I mean, that's a popular thing right now, isn't it? To say, I'm not disowning the Lord. Uh, I just, I'm just disowning his people. But you know, you can't, you can't disown the head. You can't, uh, sorry, you can't love the head and hate the body. You can't disown the body and have the head. It doesn't work that way. Denying and disassociating yourself from the disciples is denying Christ and Uh, We could talk about this for a while, but think about Jesus' words to Saul when he was persecuting the disciples. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus and his people are bound together. So maybe Peter didn't realize any of this. Maybe Peter rationalized all of this. I'm I'm not denying Jesus. I'm, I'm just saying that I'm not part of the disciples. Uh, Because, you know, I I need to get to the place where I can do something important for the Lord. So it's no big deal to say this here so I can get in. Here's the question for us. How many places are there in our lives where we think this one doesn't count? When we are a little pragmatic or a little rationalizing like Peter, when we are using Jesus to fulfill our dream about serving Jesus rather than actually serving Jesus. 
Here's the question. What if the great tests are not the ones that we imagine? What if they're the ones we're tempted to ignore? Not when we are testifying before the high priest, but when we're standing before the servant girl. I think it's really possible that if Peter had been confronted at the door by armed soldiers, he might have responded better. Life is not one climactic decision. Life is a series of little choices. And it was the servant girl, not the high priest, that revealed something about Peter's heart. And it's the little decisions, it's not the big ones, that reveal something about ours. Uh, Well, the scene ends with Peter standing with the servants and the officers around a charcoal fire. He's just blending in. Uh, Blending in does not sound like someone whose job it is to testify to Christ. Uh, Remember that charcoal fire, by the way. We're going to come back to it in John chapter 21 uh, because Peter is commissioned by the resurrected Jesus after a meal around a charcoal fire. Uh, I think we're going to see that Jesus is replacing the painful memory of Peter's denial with a new memory of Peter's restoration. That's the kind of thing that God can do uh, in his grace. Uh, But there are actually two more denials down in verses 25 to 27. Uh, One uh, by the relative of Malchus, whose ear Peter had removed in the garden. If you're hanging out with your cousin and someone chops off his ear, you're likely to remember who that person is. Uh, He's an eyewitness to what he's saying. Uh, You look like somebody who was in that olive grove, right? He's testifying. That's what Peter is supposed to be doing instead of hanging out by the charcoal fire. Before we read about the last two denials, though, the, the scene shifts. We get a break or a change in the storyline. You could sort of think of it like the camera cutting away, as it were, from Peter warming himself by the fire to Jesus being interrogated by Annas, the high priest. Don't be confused by the fact that both Annas and Caiaphas are called the high priest here. They're related. They're kind of passing the job back and forth to each other. It's okay. Um, There's a lot we could say about how this is an unfair interrogation. Uh, A lot we could say about how there's no witnesses, no cross-examinations. This is not uh, the the jurisprudence of the Torah uh, about how Jesus is struck for pointing out that he's part of an unjust process. What all I want us to see right now is that Jesus spoke openly. Uh, The high priest asks Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Uh, That he asks about the disciples shows there's concern over Jesus' popularity and whether Jesus is starting to gather people for an insurrection. Uh, I think we're all more aware than we used to be uh, that political fervor can be dangerous. Uh, And that he's asking about his teaching shows that there's concern over whether Jesus is sectarian or subversive. 
Uh, and maybe he just hopes Jesus will say something to incriminate himself somehow. And Jesus' response in verse 20 is, Hey, uh, I have spoke openly and I have said nothing in secret. Uh, well, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I've never said anything differently in private than what I have said in public. I, I never had two messages, a harmless one for outsiders when I was in public, and then sort of a more nefarious, revolutionary one for the people who were on the inside. Uh, and Annas did not need to arrest Jesus to discover what he taught. He could have asked anyone because Jesus did almost all of his teaching publicly. Uh, and this is amazing, right? Think about this. The gospel is built on public events and eyewitness testimony. Uh, the gospel is not. If you join us, we will tell you something that you can't find anywhere else. Uh, the gospel is, everyone is telling you this, and here it is, and we would like to tell you also. Come uh, and uh, and, and hear the public news about what God has done. It is not come and get hidden knowledge that puts you on the inside. And so Jesus is talking here about his public ministry. And only then do we get Peter's last two denials. Uh, by the way, in chapter 18, uh, Jesus makes three I am statements. We looked at those last week in the garden encounter. Uh, and in this section of John 18, Peter makes three I am not statements. And so that's who Jesus is. Jesus is the great I am. And that's who Peter is. Peter is the great I am not. Uh, he definitely is not the I am. I am not I am. I want to say something about green eggs and ham right now. I'm not going to do it. By interweaving Peter's denials with Jesus' testimony, I hope you see John is heightening the drama through contrast and irony. Outside is Peter, unwilling to speak openly to a servant girl. Inside is Jesus, boldly answering the high priest. Here is what an unwavering witness actually looks like. Jesus denies nothing. Peter denies everything. Jesus is obeying. Peter is sinning. Jesus is embracing the truth, even though it's taking him to the cross. Peter is deflecting the truth so he can reach his dream. Uh, now, there's certainly more to the story here. There's Peter's restoration in John 21. There's Peter who stands up and confesses the Lord before a great crowd in Acts chapter 2 because he's met the resurrected Christ. Uh, I think first, we just have to see the contrast between the Lord and people. And between the Lord's power and our weakness. Uh, that even at our best, we are deeply frail and sinful. Uh, how is it that sometimes we behave in ways we could never have imagined a few months or years ago? How is it that we make decisions 
that have devastating consequences for ourselves and other people? How is it that we know God, but can be so poor at actually knowing ourselves and being strangers uh, to our own hearts so much of the time? Uh, and I, I fear that we all read this story moralistically. We, we come with this built-in sense when we read this story. This story is about how I can avoid doing what Peter did. How can I be more like Jesus and less like Peter? And I'm not saying that, you know, belonging to Jesus won't actually change us. But belonging to Jesus does not actually remove human frailty. Uh, This is who we are in our own strength. And I think the point of this passage on some level is uh, we all would have done what Peter had done if we were there. Which I think is a very different message from the one you get from the world which says, just tell yourself you're awesome every day. I think it's easy to believe God when everything goes according to our plans. I think it's easy to believe in God when our dream of standing for Christ comes to pass just like we imagine it. When we've been faithful in some way and people ooh and awe and commend us for what we've done or more, more significantly, when we can commend ourselves for what we've done. What about believing in God when it doesn't go like that? When in some way, by our words, thoughts, or actions, we've shown we don't really believe the truth of who Jesus says he is or what he says he will do. When we betray and disappoint the one who loves us. Uh, That's when we need to know the good news is not that we can stop being like Peter and start being like Jesus. The good news is that Jesus has grace for people like Peter, for wavering disciples, unstable, unfaithful, failing, struggling, denying people. The good news is that everything is riding not on your faithfulness, not on you stepping up to the plate in the big moment and hitting it out of the park. The good news is that everything is riding on this guy who is on trial and who will go to a cross, and is the unwavering witness to God's faithfulness and love. It all rests in his hands, and our job is to just hang on to him, hang on to his coattails, hang on to the fringes of his garment. And the more you do that, then the more you will start to become like him, and his grace will start to shape you, and you'll look a little more courageous and a little more faithful like him. How much we don't get, uh, you know, to, to dream about. We just have to be faithful in the moments. But you're going to have other moments where you blow it, and you need to remember the whole thing, the future, the destiny of everything. It's not riding on us. It's riding on him. Uh, hallelujah. What a Savior, hallelujah, what a friend. Saving, helping, keeping, loving. He is with me to the end. We're going to sing that uh, in just a few minutes. Let's receive it uh, into our hearts. Let's receive the grace of God for weak, frail servants this morning. Soak in it, 
marinate it, and then start living out of it. Amen? Let's pray together.